on this Christmas Day, people all around the world are gathering to worship the living Christ. Some of them are risking their lives to do it. Some, this is the end of the day. For others, it's just the beginning of it. But every tribe and tongue are gathered in some place, in a home, in a school, a theater, a church, to proclaim by their very presence that Jesus Christ is who he said he was. That he came to do what he said he came to do. And that he did what he set out to do. In this church family, people from 20 nations gather every week to worship the living Lord. One of the joys of Christmas for me is to realize that in every tribe and tongue and even inside this room, there are people that their first language is not English, but their first language is another tongue in which they grew up speaking, but they came to be a part of this church family as a gift to this church of their presence, of their love for Christ, to be a visual reminder to us, just like that video is to me every time we use it, that Christ came for all men. He came to cross every boundary, every culture, every socioeconomic group. There are no barriers so big that Christ cannot penetrate them. There are no divides so wide that Christ cannot bridge the gap between man and God. So we want to talk about this morning the gift of salvation because it is why we have Christmas. Because God came and gave his son. Amen. You know, the, the world asks a lot of questions when we speak about Christ as the prince of peace and peace on earth, goodwill toward men, and that, that Christ builds bridges and, and mends fences, and that Christ uh, takes hatred and turns it into love, that, that he can do all that. The world wants to ask God a lot of questions. Hey, God, uh, well, if you're who you say you are, why is there so much suffering in the world? Hey, God, if you're who you say you are, why is there so much evil in the world? Hey, God, if you're who you say you are, then why are there so many natural disasters? Can I submit to you this morning that all of those are secondary questions? Here's the primary question. Hey, God, if you're who you say you are, why do you even waste your time with us? Why would you come and love us? knowing us the way you know us. If you are holy as your Bible says you are, then why would you love unholy people? If you hate sin, then why do you love sinners? The Bible tells us that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Bible gives us the story of the virgin birth of Christ. He was born of a virgin. Some preachers don't think that's a big deal, but if he was not born of a virgin, he could not be your Savior. Because he had to be fully God and fully man. He had to have the nature of man without the sin, and he had to have the nature of God 
And so Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man, came in a moment in time. I'm going to give Tom Ellef credit for this line. You want to know how much God humbled himself to show us his love? At one point in time, the God of creation, the God of glory, the God of eternity, the God of all things that have been and ever will be, that God at one moment in time became a single cell in a woman's womb. That's humbling yourself. So that he could be born in Bethlehem. And give his life for us. So that John could write the verse that we all know. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Here's the good news of the gift of salvation. God loved us when there was nothing about us to love. You know we buy gifts and give them to people that we love. We kind of hope we get one back. We have gifts under the tree and kids get under there and try to figure out whose name is on that gift and then they start counting, you know, why did they get five and I got four and they start doing all those kind of things. God put a gift in a manger that none of us deserve to even look at. And yet he came for undeserving sinners like you and like me. He came to give his life for us so that we could have life abundantly and life eternally in heaven with him. So, so who did he come for? I want to ask you to turn to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to bounce around in the Gospel of Luke a little bit today. Luke chapter 5. And I want us to talk about who he came for. He came for three specific groups of people. Luke chapter 5, verse 30. Luke chapter 5 and verse 30. The Pharisees and their scribes began grumbling at the disciples and saying, Why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered and said to them, It is not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So he came, first of all, for sinners. Who are sinners? Who are sinners? We, we need to find out who those people are. Sinners are people that have sinned against God. They have breached fellowship with God. They have broken fellowship with God by an act of self-will, by choosing of self, by wanting our rights. We, we are sinners. We are born sinners. And in Luke chapter 18, there are Two people contrasted in Luke chapter 18, verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, and even like this tax collector, I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You know who Christ died for? He died for sinners. That means he died for every person that's ever been born in this world. Now we have to receive that gift. 
We have to embrace that gift. But he died for all. If he just died for some, then his death was not sufficient. He died for all. Not all received the gift. Not all received the gift. But all are offered the gift. If you're a sinner in need of a Savior, there's good news for you today. Christ came and lived and died so that you could have life and be a saved sinner. All of us in this room are sinners. Just most of us have received Christ and we're saved sinners. Second group, the lost. Who are the lost? Luke 19 and verse 10. Luke 19 and verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Now, let me give you three characteristics of lostness. Because with GPS and everything else now, you know, you, we think, man, I, I, I'll never get lost. I got, you know, I got one on my phone. I got one in my car. I mean, I can get wherever I need to go. And then all of a sudden you hit GPS and it says unmarked road. And you don't know. And, or this is the one I love because I'm directionally dysfunctional. Proceed to the highlighted route. Well, which way do I proceed? Do I go left or right? I don't know what proceed you want me to do right now. And typically, as my wife says, I'm directionally dysfunctional. Whatever I think I need to do, do the opposite. So the other day, I'm pulling out. It says proceed to the highlighted route. So I looked at, I looked at the map, and I said, hmm, okay, I'm going to go right. And immediately, it goes rerouting. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even get 10 feet down the road. How does this thing up in the sky know that I am lost? <laughs> the better question is, do we understand that God in heaven knows that we're lost and we need a Savior? Three things about the lost. First of all, the lost are disoriented. They're disoriented. They, they don't know what direction to go in. So they try this and that and the other. They may try alcohol. They may try drugs. They may try uh, pornography. They may try success, a job, family. They try a thousand things trying to find peace and happiness, but they're lost like the lost son in Luke 15, like the lost coin and the lost sheep. Somebody has to go out and find them. Because they're lost and they're disoriented. They don't know where they are. Secondly, the lost are perishing. They're dying. The statistics are real. One out of every one person will die. We're all in the land of the dying. Now some of us, if we know Christ, are on our way to the land of the living. A land in heaven where we will have eternal life with Christ. But the lost are perishing. And then finally, the lost ruin their lives. They just ruin their lives. How many times have you gone by and seen somebody just has messed up their life? They didn't intend to maybe, but they just got on the wrong road and on the wrong path and they began to mess up their life. I remember I could anytime I was in the car with Nelson Price when I was on staff at Roswell Street, we would pass some homeless person or somebody on the side of the road with a sign will work for food or whatever and he would always say that's somebody's baby boy that's somebody's baby girl you know the lost 
are disoriented. The lost are perishing. And the lost, without somebody to tell them how to be saved, will ruin their lives. And you and I are to be standard bearers, that Christ has come to save the lost. But let's not forget a third group, and that's the group that we read just a minute ago in Luke 18, the self-righteous, the self-righteous. Now, the self-righteous are the Pharisees, but churches are full of self-righteous people. This is what the self-righteous think. I'm better than other people. I've done enough good works that God ought to get me into heaven. I've had people ask me about certain folks that I've met in my life that have died. Do you think they went to heaven? And I have had to say about a few of them, if good works could get you into heaven, they made it. But if they never made a public profession of faith in Jesus Christ, they're not there. You see, the self-righteous Pharisee, he made a list for God. I mean, have you ever tried to impress God? <laughs> Here's a guy trying to impress God. Look, Lord, I tithe, I give, I do all the things. I, I do all the sacraments, the ceremonies, the sacrifices. I mean, I got everything. I mean, I got my blue envelope. I can check all the boxes on it and fill in five y'all didn't even think about. <laughs> but he was lost. You see, being baptized doesn't save you. It's an act of obedience. Joining a church doesn't save you. Being good doesn't save you. Being nice doesn't save you. Being kind doesn't save you. The only thing that saves us is when we admit that we are sinners in need of a Savior and we know that Christ is the only way that we can be saved. You know what the sinner, the lost, and the self-righteous have in common? They all need Jesus. They all need Jesus. Now, why did he do it? Well, none of us are worthy of the gift. None of us can earn it. None of us have the resources to buy it. God freely gave his son to people who, by their own choosing, by their own act of will, have made a mess of their lives. Now, I want you to think about this. Why in the world, why in the world would God decide that the only way that he could save us was by his son coming to die on a cross. Oh, you can drive around and see Christmas decorations and people have their houses lit up and everything else and uh, you can see nativity scenes. The danger is, is that we just think about Jesus as a baby in a manger and we forget that he grew in stature and in wisdom with God and with man. And we forget that at the age of 30, he made himself known for who he was and people followed him and he healed the sick and he raised the dead and he taught and he confounded the wisest of teachers even when he was 12 years old. And then one day he said, I must go to Jerusalem. And the disciples say, if you go, they're going to kill you. But that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to die in Jerusalem on a cross to pay the price for your sin and for mine. That's why he came. He was born to die. Not die for his sins, but to die for our sins. And so in a few months, we'll celebrate Easter. And Easter is a celebration that Christ not only died, but he rose from the grave and in rising from the grave, he gave us victory over death and hell and the grave. And there is nothing for the believer that can separate us from the love of God. 
So when Jesus came and they saw that baby and the angels sang and the shepherds saw and all of those things happened, it didn't end there. He was a sinless baby, but he was a sinless son. And when Jesus was baptized by John, the dove descended, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. But when Jesus died on a cross, he died alone because the father had to turn his back on him and Jesus had to say, why have you forsaken me? Because God could not look on sin, but God, the son, became sin so that you and I could not have to bear the price for our sin. So if we're saved, Jesus is three things, and he gives us three things. Our hearts are filled with love, 1 John 4, 19. We love because he first loved us. If we understand Christmas, then we understand in Christ is life and light and love. The Bible says in him was life. Jesus said about us, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He said, I am the light of the world. John says that God is love. We have life and light and love because of Christ. He takes away the darkness. Now, remember the angels? The angels appeared and sang, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The shepherds went, but guess what? The shepherds needed a guide. They needed to know where to go and what to do. And so angels appeared to guide them to the manger, to Bethlehem, where they could go to the exact spot where Jesus was. The wise men followed the star. They needed a guide. They needed some way to get there. Matthew 2 says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Both needed a guide. They needed to know how to get to Jesus. So my task today is to tell you how to get to Jesus. I'm not an angel and I'm not a star. I'm just a sinner that somebody introduced to Jesus one day. And he changed my life forever. And my task and my privilege today is to offer you a gift, a free gift. And one that if you receive it, you'll never return it. Because it's a gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. That God loved you. God created you. You know why he created you? You know why you're on planet earth? Because God has a purpose for your life. His first purpose is that you would know his son. What you do vocationally is insignificant compared to that one thing. Do you know his son? Do you know Jesus Christ? The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says that there's none righteous, no, not one. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You do not have to pay for your sins. They've already been paid for. 
Christ died for you. And he died for me. He just doesn't love the world. He loves you. And he knows everything about you. And at Christmas, we talk about, you know, you better be naughty or nice and all that kind of stuff. Can I tell you something? All of us have been naughty as far as God is concerned. But God in his kindness, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And do you know that in the councils of eternity in heaven, God said, man is going to need somebody if he's ever going to get to me. And sacrifices and offerings and bulls and lambs are not going to fix it permanently. I need a sacrifice. And the son said, I'll be it. And God's son, Jesus Christ, stepped out of eternity surrounded by the praise and the worship of heaven where there was no sin and no stain and no scar and no pain and no tears. The God of love and grace and mercy stepped out of heaven and went into a woman's womb and was born and died so that you could have a free gift. Can you really imagine anybody loving you that much? I want to tell you how much Jesus loves you. When they nailed him to a cross, they nailed his feet, and they nailed his hands. And on the cross, he said, this much. This much. You want to know how much I love you? I love you this much. My arms are open. My heart is open. My kingdom is for you. Heaven is for you. If you'll just embrace the gift of salvation. Would you bow your heads? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I want to ask you this morning, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Whether you're self-righteous or a sinner or lost, if you don't know Christ, he came to die for your sin, to pay the price for your sin. Do you know him today? The greatest gift I could give you today is the opportunity to respond to Christ as Savior and Lord. So I want to ask you something. If you're here today, and I'm going to ask our men to be here at the front, and if you're here today and you do not know or you're not sure, you're just not sure, I'm going to ask you to do something in just a moment. But I want to ask you a simple question. If you were to die today and you were to stand before God and he would say to you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say? 
Would you say I've been good or I'm a member of Sherwood or I'm a member of some church or I've been baptized or I've tried to be better than most people? That's not going to get you in. The only thing that's going to get you in is a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you, nobody's looking around. I want to ask you if today you're not sure or you, you know you're not saved or you're not sure about a relationship with Jesus Christ, I just want to ask you, would you just lift your hand and just hold it there for a minute until I can see it? You're not sure. You don't know if you have a relationship with Christ today. I just don't know. It's not settled in my heart. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation and now is the accepted time. And in just a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing. For those of you that don't know Christ, I want to encourage you to come find one of these men at the front and just say to them, I need to trust Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior today. There may be some of you that are here and you have thought about gifts for everybody else, but you've not thought about your life being a gift to God. Not a New Year's resolution, that's a week away. But a renewal of your commitment to Christ. Lord, today I, I am reminded of how much you love me and what you did for me in paying the price on the cross. And today I want to just kneel before you. And I want to say, Lord, I give you my life my love, my all. I want to renew my commitment with you on this Christmas day. I want to give you a gift, Jesus. I want to give you myself anew.